to the Discovery Doc Podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. Cece, functional medicine nurse practitioner, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and crunchy mama, and my co-host. I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And we, again, have another fabulous guest for you. We are so excited to sit down and talk to this lovely face over here. You see her face. If you're watching us on YouTube, you've got a lovely face too. Oh, thank you. you all. So we have with us today, Miss Jessica, and we are so excited to sit here and talk with you and dive into all things as it relates to gut health. Jessica is a holistic coach who specializes in gut health and hormones without all the crazy fads and diets that people love to obsess about. So Jessica, we are happy to have you today. I would love to dive in and just start by giving you the floor of letting our community know who you are, how you got to where you are now, and kind of a little bit about your background. Of course. So thank you ladies so much for having me. Um, so I have been a health coach for, I think it's coming up on five years, I want to say. And before that I was doing personal training. And so I, I felt like that was really the, the right next step because working with clients, as I'm sure you guys imagine, there's only so much you can do when, when you see them, you know, I would see clients maybe an hour or two hours a week. And I really knew that these people needed more, but I couldn't cross a particular boundary just as their personal trainer. And, and really the, the areas they needed a lot of work with, especially women, was stress, <laughs> um, you know, their their nutrition. But uh, there was a lot of layers to that much deeper than, you know, following a meal plan or a particular diet. So that's really and of course, uh, as I'm sure you both have, I have my own story that led me into holistic health and functional medicine, which is why I'm so passionate about it. And so. Yeah, I've been doing this for, I think this year or coming on to next year, I don't know, will be like close to five years. And I work with women virtually all over the world. It's been pretty amazing, um, really with the focus on hormonal health and metabolic health. Beautiful. That, yeah, that is amazing. I love when life kind of just takes us into the direction that we're meant to go, or we feel like we're meant to go, or maybe we are, we specialize in one area and it's just not maybe enough. We feel like we could give more. So the fact that you found your thing is, is amazing. Congratulations on that. Yeah. So today Thank you. we are, this whole month has been about kind of gut health, but obviously there are so many different aspects that pertain to just gut health in general that we are going to back it up. And I want to dive into kind of dieting versus anti-diet. And if somebody is considering, I just, no, nope, I'm just going to open the floor. What are the benefits, if anything, to following specialized diets versus anti-diets? Where do you start with a client if they are fixated on, oh, I need to go keto and this will help me, or, oh, I need to follow a, you know, whatever else it might be, Mediterranean diet, and, and this will help me. What is your perspective on diets in general? Okay. <laughs> Let's just get into it. You're like, okay, let's go. I mean, yeah, this is, you know, I think, um, and I mean, social media has brought a lot of wonderful things. It's connected people. Uh, it's how I run my business. So many wonderful things have, have come from social media. But I think that a big downfall, especially for women, is the popularity of diets. And we're seeing a lot of, you know, these beautiful influencers. And I don't know, I celebrities, I'm doing that with quotes because, you know, people that are 
famous for, I don't know why, but they have a platform we can say, and they, you know, they follow a certain diet. So then people look up to them, women look up to them or young girls look up to them and they're like, okay, I need to follow this particular diet now. Um, and I think that's really incredibly dangerous because we're, <laughs> we're kind of following someone and, and following a diet and, and not having an understanding of really how female physiology works. And most women just don't thrive well on a diet period, um, for a, like so many reasons, but I mean, I would say the main thing. And for me, what's really important when I work with women is sustainability. Most diets just period, they're not sustainable. And if you can't do something past, you know, three months, why put your body through that stressed state? Because ultimately that's what diets do. They stress your body. They shock the body short term. And so that's why we can see sometimes these amazing results where we're like, I'm feeling amazing. I haven't had a piece of bread or a banana in three months and I've never felt better. Right. So it, it you get these like drastic changes, but with those drastic changes, it's such a stressor on the body that, you know, I call it like the pendulum diet. It just swings the opposite direction at some point where then your energy is low. Your skin is breaking out. You can't poop. Um, your period is all over the place, or maybe your cycle is quote regular, but your PMS is horrible, or you feel anxious all the time. You're lightheaded. You have no energy in the afternoon, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these symptoms, you know, as I know that you both know, they're not normal, but they're so common. And, you know, a big, big part of that is that metabolic dysfunction, which leads to hormonal imbalances and what causes metabolic dysfunction. And a huge part of that is going on these diets that are just so, uh, so extreme, you know, um, you mentioned keto and that's one that's been incredibly popular. And there's a lot of women that are like, you know, it works for me because I'm, I'm sensitive to carbs. If I touch a carbohydrate, you know, I'll go crazy. I just can't stop eating them. Or, you know, then I, if I touch a carbohydrate, I crave them all the time. And this is where it's like, okay, this is where social media then comes into play of, of really misinforming women on carbohydrates. And it's like, carbs are essential. Like our, our cells run off of glucose. We need carbs to function. We need carbs for energy. We need carbs to produce progesterone. The list goes on and on. Um, and again, removing it, it's, it's just such a stressor on the metabolism and long-term the, the result effect of a diet is everything just gets downregulated, your metabolism, your thyroid, and then you see it show up as a hormonal issue. So I, I think that, that was like a long winded. <laughs> no, I love it. We, we love long winded yeah. over here, but I think yes, they're, they're the best. <laughs> they are. I think that society has really, especially for women, put us in a place where we feel that we need to be in a deficit or they've made us scared, society has made us scared of certain nutrients that your body is meant and designed to absorb and utilize as energy. Fat gets the same rep. You know, people get so scared of, yes. and of course there's a difference in the fats that you're consuming, but people get so scared of the word fat and eating fats. And that is brain fuel. You know, you talk mm -hmm. about stabilizing blood sugar, people get very scared. And I think social media and society have put instilled that fear because of cholesterol numbers going up or heart, you know, heart disease and all of that. And it's really just not at the core, the truth fat is good for us. 
Yeah, it's very, yes, it's really very outdated information from, I don't know, the 90s when everything went in low fat. It was like, you can eat whatever you want as long as it's low fat. Right. But then it's like, what do we take out the fat and what are we replacing it with? All these like weird chemicals and things that we can't pronounce, you know, all the stuff that, I mean, at least that I grew up eating, uh, like low, low fat uh, Pop-Tarts and what were they? Lean Cuisines. Um, there's these things called hot pockets. You stick them in the microwave, but then they had lean pockets, mm -hmm. those hundred calorie snack packs, you know, just fun going down mem diet memory lane. And yeah, that's yeah. But yeah, it's very outdated in terms of, you know, a lot of mis misinformation about cholesterol, unfortunately, and blood sugar and all of that. So if, if someone comes to you and they have been on a very restrictive diet, what is your approach to that person? Because to some degree, it's almost like it's been trained that, hey, in order for me to feel good or look good, I need to be in this deficit. What is your approach to that person to kind of retrain the brain to maybe view food as a source of nutrients and fuel versus something that they shouldn't consume? Yeah. You know, I mean, any deficit, even if it, if it, if it's with good intentions, right. Um, it creates an energy deprived body. And I, I am all about, and it's true. You can't heal a body. You can't heal an energy deprived body because all of the things that we want to happen, detoxification, digestion, uh, strong gut health, you know, healing any gut issues, having a resilient gut that's not going to be sensitive to every food, balanced sex hormones, steady energy, a strong libido, all those things that we want, they all require energy. And it's because we haven't really learned that it's women are learned taught, you know, much more about, you know, okay, have, you know, 1500 calories a day and energy and energy out, but it's like, no, to really thrive and like feel our best to feel our best, like that has to come from energy and it's not going to come from thin air. It's not going to come from coffee. It's not going to come from these green powders that are so popular and expensive. It's, it's going to come from actual food. So if a client comes to me and they've, they have a history, you, most of the time when women come to work with me, they have a history of trying these diets and they've, they failed them. And I, when I say they failed them, I'm not saying the women failed them. I'm saying the diets failed them in that it wasn't sustainable. It was miserable. It created this unhealthy relationship with food. Now they're worried about, you know, uh, being around, going to, going out to dinner and I'm too afraid to order pasta or pizza, or I don't want to go to this wedding because I know there's going to be cake. So it's, I think that it's important for, you know, when I work with a woman, but any woman that's like, how do I get out, out of this diet cycle? It's like, you got to peel back those layers of what's underneath that need to, or need or desire both to feel that you, you know, trying to, whether you're trying to control food or control your habits, um, what's underneath that, if there's a fear of whatever that might be, fill in the blank, um, you know, a fear of failing, of messing up, of not being worthy of, of gaining weight, aka then, okay, now I'm not worthy, I'm not beautiful, etc. And, and really face whatever those fears are, and really learn to start trusting your body again, and start trusting your hunger. And trusting that, you know, okay, if I want all of these things, the good energy and good digestion, etc., 
I have to be able to provide my body the resources to make that happen. Um, and yeah, again, that can't happen in an energy deprived body. Right. Absolutely. And I think that also in talking in relation to just society and how society impacts us and kind of the food choices that we make, we are such a society of convenience and convenience has allowed us to very quickly grab food and very quickly grab nutrient deficient food. So is the next, once you kind of work with, with a woman on kind of retraining the brain a little bit to value what food can bring to our bodies and that nourishment, is there kind of a next step to relearn or reteach kind of, or unlearn almost what society has taught about convenience so that we are making the appropriate choices to fuel our body with nutrient dense foods and not just a whole bunch of nutrient deficient foods. Yeah, that's hard because I think the whole like eating clean movement has really, <laughs> has really like shifted our perspective on what nutrient dense foods mean. Right. I'm not anti-salad. I always like to say that because I'm I'm not one to bash salads, but if you're only eating a salad is probably lacking a lot of nutrient density and all that raw roughage could be tough on digestion. You know, if you're eating a lot of clean eaters, it's like I eat really clean protein bars and I eat clean, I drink clean smoothies and clean green juices and all of these things. It's not about them being bad or good because that's kind of what we, this food is good and this food is bad. It's just like what you said. It's really about nutrient density and you could be eating enough and you could be eating clean but where's the nutrient density fall? Because that's really going to be, that's going to determine your energy. That's going to determine your body's ability to have a strong metabolism to, to poop, you know, all of those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things, especially for growing up in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands of what we were seeing, cause we grew up in the supermodel age, mm. right? So there, mm -hmm kind of missed the waif thing in the 90s a little bit but there was the supermodel age and just all of that going on so what what were they doing but it was the culture of reducing and not eating as much and then so now having understood how that works when you actually fuel your body with the right macros and the right nutrition that your body actually responds you can grow muscle, you can have proper digestion, great sleep, and you actually do what you're asking your body to do because you're fueling it correctly. Like I have a, um, a background of competing. And when I was eating twice as much as I'd probably ever eaten in my life, still good proteins, carbs, I didn't have fats, they pulled fats out of my diet. So I had to recover from that. But if I had fats in my diet, that would have been great. And having ketones is that macro of and the autophagy and going through all that whole process. I think that that's where it shifts into that lifestyle of understanding what macros, what nutrition that you need to get for your body to respond just as it should. And you know, as a personal trainer, that the more not super heavy lifting, but putting on that load and progressing that, that your body's going to change and adapt and become stronger, which is what you want to be lean and have those rounded shoulders and those nice looking arms and that butt that sticks out like her husband's butt. Cause he's an athlete. She's got the cutest little butt. I'm sorry. That's your husband. 
but he's worked for it and he just it just comes natural to him but he's putting in the work to fuel his body and to lift the weights and I think that we can do that too and we've always been told just in the generation that we've worked we've yeah. gone through is don't eat outwork do tons of cardio and you'll have a good body but the people that look like you want to look do not do those things they yeah. eat properly they get sleep and rest <laughs> and they lift weights so part of that because as a previous athlete too the trap that I fell into that wasn't necessarily good for me was counting macros so although it, it allowed me to focus on hey I wasn't eating enough I just I never ate enough and I wasn't eating enough fat and I wasn't eating enough protein. And it changed my perspective on how much I should be eating, which was a positive. But over time, being obsessed with counting macros turned into a big negative for me. What are your thoughts on people who have all those apps that are counting their calories, counting their macros? What are your thoughts? Yes, I'm like nodding like, oh, yes. I think that there are so many things that are disconnecting us from our body. And this is one of them is, and, and to equate food to numbers, it's like, it's not a math problem or it's not, you know what I mean? Like you to really understand how to fuel your body, you have to have a connection to your body. And if you're eating a meal and then you're like, okay, I got to go on my phone and put in these numbers and I've done it. I've used my fitness pal which yep. told me to have like 1200 calories a day. And by lunch every day, I would, I'm like, damn it. I'm at, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm supposed no, to. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. By lunch, I would hit 1200 calories every day. And I'm like, oh no. Okay. Let me start again tomorrow. And yeah. Anyway, it, it just, it, it creates this disconnection like further and further and further. And it's, it's also very activating to the nervous system to every time you eat, you got to log in. Okay. Now how many, what's the, what do I have left for the day? Number wise. Okay. Oh no, I went over it. Okay. So then that means tomorrow I have to go to the gym and do an extra 15 minutes of cardio. It's like, and it just blows my mind because I've been there. I've known a lot of women that have been there. I know a lot of women that are still there and it's, it's so exhausting and talk about depleting. It's so yeah. depleting to you, just to your soul. Yeah. Um, and again, it, these are just, this is, it's so encouraged. You know, if you, you tell another woman, I track my calories and I put it in my log. Wow. You're so disciplined, but yet there's not enough emphasis on really understanding what food, nutrients, minerals, what they do inside of your body, how they can support your metabolism and how you can feel your best. It's it's like, there's gotta be a specific outcome of, okay, well, I can lose 10 pounds in this amount of time um, or achieve this specific goal. Um, yeah, so I do not agree with that. I, I do think though, I will say, cause I have my clients, I will have them log their food because, you know, it's, it's tough to talk about someone with their, about their nutrition when I say, well, so what did you eat yesterday? And, you know, they're like, I don't remember, <laughs> but yeah. So I will have them log their food, what time they eat, because that's really important to see the gaps that are there, which usually there's a lot of gaps, but I also have them log uh, their stress levels. If there's any bloating and their energy levels. 
So then we can, you know, that, like I was saying, there's that disconnect that happens when you only equate food to a numeric value, but how can we bring that connection back is like, how do I feel after I eat this meal? And maybe it's not even about the food. Maybe it's the environment, you know, uh, the, unfortunately the society that we live in, so many people have to literally eat lunch at their desk while they're working. No wonder they feel exhausted after they they're eating lunch at 2 PM, they need coffee or whatever. So there are ways to bring that connection uh, back, I believe. Right. I, I have to agree with you hundred percent because that was, and I went through the whole, my fitness pal phase and, you know, logging all my macros that way. And it was, again, it was eye opening to see that I wasn't eating enough, but I found myself at the end of every day being like, oh my gosh, I have to eat four cups of egg whites right now because I'm down 40 grams of protein. And then I would actually stress about physically logging those numbers because you're busy, you're in everyday life, you're on the go. And it's like, okay, I'll log it, you know, when I get to work or when I get this place. And then you're like, darn it, how much did I eat? What was the weight of it? And it was the stress of actually physically opening the app and keeping all that information because I was just too busy that that is not a good place to be either because now you're just staying in kind of this heightened state of fight or flight post eating instead of focusing on just just on just digesting your food um so and, and I do agree it it does not allow for connection to your body either you know you become reliant on that technology to tell you what to eat and how much you need so if someone is kind of stuck in that pattern what are your suggestions for them to pick up on even just bodily cues of, hey, this is what my body needs. This is helping me feel good. How do you approach that with someone who's been so dissociated from those cues? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, the first thing would be I would have them stop logging their food. And in that case, someone like that, I would, I wouldn't start them with a food log because we kind of, (laughs) we kind of want to do the opposite a little bit. And for some women, that's really hard. So maybe they start with, you know, okay, you're going to log every other day. I've definitely had women that are like terrified to not log their food. And again, you don't, I don't think anything extreme is really necessary. So it's like, all right, how about you log four days this week, but then you take the other three off or something like that. Uh, And I think it's also just getting into the habit of asking yourself, what do I need? What would feel good right now? Uh, What would be supportive right now? What sounds good right now? Like questions that are pretty simple, but when you're in this whirlwind and in a fight or flight state, you're not going to ask yourself those questions. Those are literal questions of in a rest and digest state. So it's like, can we, if you're in that activated state and worried about your food and worried about tracking and then worried about logging and worried about you ate too much or too little, you know, can we interrupt that a little bit with connecting to yourself and asking yourself? And sometimes I'll have clients write about, like write it down because otherwise it's not going to happen. Um, We're in chat support. I'm like, okay, how are you doing? Tell me. (laughs) And it's not, it's not to tell me it's for them to ask themselves, for them to check in with themselves. And so many women, I can't believe they're like, you know, I've never thought to ask myself what would feel good today or what do I need today? Do I need some support? What do I really need? Okay. I need to log my food. And what do I really need? Um, You know, just again, peeling back that, that deeper layer but yeah if someone's stuck in that whirlwind it's 
it's tough to come out of it. But again, I think it, it can be done gradually. And it's okay to, if you're trying to like fight against that, it's okay to, okay, I'm going to log six days, but I'm going to take one day off. If that is safe for you for now, then, then do that. You don't have to go cold Turkey. I think if you're, if you're really in it, because that's going to feel like a total threat to your body's safety. If you, you know what I mean? If you are so activated and you have to log or, you know, you have to keep track of your food. Um, you don't want to stop cold Turkey because the body's going to panic and then, you know, right. And, and talking about that pendulum from earlier, like usually starting on a food log is just so people are aware of what they eat. And so what does protein and complex carbs and healthy fats in the starch, what does that look like on your plate? Because if you don't know, you can't know what you're looking for. And that's kind of that healthy side of that process is just to be aware of what you're eating. What does it look like to have a health? What does a healthy plate look like? So you know that when you go out, that that's what you're kind of aiming for. And then it can definitely swing to that other side where it becomes super stressed, super obsessive. Of, I've got to write this down if I don't write it down or, oh, I had an oat milk chai, which was 300 calories. And I went over my carbs before breakfast this morning. That's the stressful part. And then you're <laughs> restricting everything else. And you had the chai, I had the chai because I, it felt good and it was cold this morning and I, my brain needed it. And I'm not stressing about the rest of the day and what I'm going to eat because I need not only the physical nutrition, but I also need the emotional, spiritual nutrition as well of having a good comfort food or, or something nourishing that my, my emotions need. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing, totally. the takeaway from what I'm gathering and what you're saying is that we have to trust ourselves and all of these kind of diets and things that we utilize that are meant to be good resources, right? Their intentions can be good, but it's taking away from our ability to be able to trust ourselves and what our personal body needs versus somebody else's personal right. body. And that stress that it can cause that we've kind of talked about, how do you see that impacting the way people eat? Do you see it impacting them in a way, in both ways where maybe they're overeating or undereating? And kind of second part, is part of that in terms of trusting ourselves part of what we've been taught throughout life comes into play there so if women have been taught a certain way of eating how do you navigate kind of sometimes against that yeah i think that you know okay sorry i i promise i was listening but <laughs> as the question kept going then I was like, what was the, I want to make sure I remember the first part. I apologize that I'll I remember the first part, but I don't remember. Okay. No, no worries. We, we ask really long, big questions. They're great. But I was just like, just do the second part. I will remember the first part and we'll circle back. Okay. Uh, the second part was if someone's been eating a certain way their whole life. Yeah. And just kind of learn. Like, I think it's very hard for, especially women in general, to trust their natural instincts, especially if they've grown up a certain way, where eating a certain way is our mm -hmm. comfort food, you know, eating good Southern fried foods, that feels good to me. So how do I go from a place of that's all I'm eating, to fueling that emotional good, oh, I feel like my body needs this, but not overdoing it. 
Well, I mean, it's going to sound redundant, but it does really go back to self-trust. So if you have your, like my go-to is cinnamon rolls, yeah, like a warm cinnamon roll out of the oven, the smell, and it's like gooey and melty. But if I eat that every day, I, you know, I'd probably have some major blood sugar issues. My teeth would probably, you know what I mean? I'd get like maybe cavities, you know, but I think that self-trust of when you really want something to be okay with, you don't need to earn it, giving that to yourself and that you don't need to justify it. And then you can move on from it and then you can continue, you know, it's like brushing our teeth. We don't have this emotional attachment to brushing our teeth. Most of the time I don't want to do it, but I do it because I know that I, I don't want my teeth to fall out and I don't want my teeth to be orange. Plain and simple, but there's not this emotional attachment that if I don't brush my teeth and, you know, I'm failing or I'm a horrible person or, you know, then I need to, you know, start over tomorrow and brush them eight times a day. And we have that with food and all these, I think, attachments that we uh, form towards food and how we eat food and, um, our habits around food, they probably develop it at such a young age that we don't realize it. And like we talked about earlier, growing up in the eighties and nineties and, you know, being surrounded with, you know, okay, this celebrity, she went on this diet and that's how she looks so great. And look at this supermodel and then, oh, she's overweight and she's not, you know, I mean, think of like the first person that comes to mind was Jessica Simpson. I, that I was think I was like in my very, I think I was like 20 or something, my early 20s when she was just her, Brittany, Christina, it was like their time. She had her show on MTV. And then, you know, there's one picture of her that gets released. And it's like, maybe she looks like she's gained three pounds. And it was like insane. Just the scrutiny that she got and all of these influences and also how food was treated in our house. Was there a lot of scarcity with food? Was, you know, a lot of women, they, they hear their mother talking about her body a certain way or their whatever main female figure, older sister, a cousin, you know, criticizing her body or, okay, I'm going to go on this diet or don't eat too much. Um, and that will, of course, impact how we view food and how we treat food and treat our body growing up. And I think you have to really make those connections if you really want to start a new path with with food. And you can get to a neutral place with food, which goes back to, okay, you know, I want to have that comfort food, but if I let myself have it, I'm going to have it every day. When you're in a neutral place with food, you're much more able to make those, you're in a much better place to make those decisions of, all right, I want to feel my best. I want to have steady energy. I can't eat cinnamon rolls for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I want to make sure I'm getting enough protein. That's going to help keep me really full. I'm able to focus. It's not going to shoot my anxiety up. We have a lot of women dealing with anxiety and it's a lot of blood sugar issues are, are related to that. You know, so again, going back to that, neutral place of food it's possible but you kind of got to go back in time and like almost you know unweave all the all those like connections that happen that 
you never really wanted them to happen in the first place. It's like society is telling you this, you got to be super skinny to look good. And then, you know, maybe you heard a, a, a really powerful woman figure in your life, you know, criticizing her body or going on a diet. I know what I did for sure that a lot of women do um, really like trying to like disconnect that. So that way you can get to that neutral place of food and trust yourself because it's, it's just food, you know? Right. I completely, completely agree. I think most women to some degree have gone through exactly what you were just saying and where we're overthinking what we're eating and, and putting too much emotion behind it. But I do definitely think it stems, it's multifaceted, right? It stems from outside influences that kind of infiltrate how we feel about ourselves. Um, the first part, I was reminding myself this question over and over and over again. So I was like, I don't want to forget to ask. <laughs> so the first part of my question yes. is because we've mentioned kind of stress in, in numerous aspects throughout this conversation so far. So in your expert opinion, how do you see that stress, whatever that might come from, whatever situation that stress may come from, whether it's internal, external, how do you see that impacting the way that women will eat or not? Well, where do we begin with that one? I, you know, I think that the way that you view food and the way that you approach food, it's totally going to be dependent on the state of your nervous system. 100%. And I'm sure we've all experienced it where, you know, I don't know, like a good example is you go on vacation and you're like, all right, let's, let's try all the food and you just, you eat it and you feel great. And you're, you don't have any digestion issues. You're not like sleepy after you don't feel guilty. You're just like, I'm enjoying this. And it's because your nervous system is in a much calmer state. You're not activated and on the go and got to do this and got to do that and staying busy all the time. Uh, you know, I think that chronic state of busyness, if you're there where you can't slow down and everything's busy and urgent, how are you going to, you know, you're going to look at food and it's going to be the same way. It's going to be urgent and crisis and, oh my gosh, and you're going to eat it. And then you're going to get an upset tummy because your body's not able to digest it and you ate really fast. <laughs> so you're swallowing big chunks of food. You're going to have a cramp. And then you're busy and on to the next thing. And then your energy is going to be low because your gut wasn't able to extract the nutrients from it. And the list goes on and on. You're burning through minerals. So you don't have the right minerals to take the energy into your cells. And voila, you have this like now from eating food, this discomfort and this stress state in your body. And it just perpetuates that cycle. Um, you know, a lot of women that I work with deal with like chronic bloating. And it gets to the point where they're about to eat and they're afraid of how their body's going to react to the food. They're like, I don't want to eat this. I'm going to, I'm going to, of course, no one wants to experience any discomfort in their body. They're looking at the food. They're like, it's just going to cause me to bloat and my stomach is going to hurt. I'm going to have to unbutton my jeans and I'm going to be horribly uncomfortable. And then they eat. And then of course that happens and they, it's, it's horrible, but being stuck in that, that stressed cycle of course, that's going to impact how you eat food and, and how you view, view food. And I also think that activated stress state, you're, you know, you're a lot more likely to be with kind of making those rash decisions with food where you're like, F it, I'm just going to go and eat this donut, <laughs> which is fine if you want to eat the donut. 
but enjoy it and savor it and eat it in a calm state and then move on from it. Um, you know, okay, I'm going <laughs> to drink all this coffee, you know, and then your blood sugar is going to be like this. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really tough to come out of that cycle, whether it's that activated stress state and it's causing, um, impaired digestion or that activated and stress state, which is causing more activation and stress around food. It is tough to come out of that. And again, it comes back to slowing down and asking yourself, what do I need right now? And it might be the thing that you don't want to do. Maybe you need to sit down and eat, eat a meal and chew it slowly and breathe and check in with your feelings. So, so much around food doesn't even always pertain to food, you know? Right. So what are kind of, when you look at your case log of a woman that you've worked with, what are kind of the top three things that you have found time and time again across all of those cases that if they addressed these three things, what would be, that would move the needle forward for them um, in a positive way, no matter where they are, no matter where they're starting, that what are those top three things that um, you help them with specifically to move that needle forward? I think one thing is, especially with food, but just with your life in general, is that it's going to fluctuate every day. There's going to be times of the month based on where you're at with your cycle, but also where you're at in your life where you might need more food. And, you know, th that's tough, especially if you're like a tracker, a tracker, a counter, you know, you're going to have days where you might, your body just might need more and being okay with that. So Again, it goes back to checking in with yourself. What do I need? And some days you're going to need more fuel than others. If you are just at home and you you have just a very relaxed life and you just knit and hang out with your cat all day, you know, maybe you, you're not going to need more fuel. But if you're on the go, if you have a lot of pressure at work, um, I have a couple clients I'm working with right now that their jobs are so intense and I'm like, I don't care if you're sitting at a computer, your nervous system is like going like this, you need more fuel. So I think that's really important to, to understand that, you know, where you're at in your cycle and where you're at in your life, your needs are going to change. There's going to be times when you need a little more sleep, when you need more food, when you need that comfort food, and then you have it and it's like, oh, I just needed that, like a warm hug, you know, and then you could kind of move on. Um, so I think that's really a big one is, is taking a look at your life as a whole and not every day is going to be the same and you can't show up the same every day and your needs are going to be different every day. So I think that's, that's a really big one. Um, I would say the second thing is just really understanding the impact of your nervous system and how that affects everything. It your, your gut health, your digestion, your libido, your sex hormones, your cycle, your energy, your blood sugar. So many women are like, I'm eating perfectly and my blood sugar is like this. And it's like, it's not just what you eat that impacts your blood sugar. It's how you slept. It's your cortisol. If you're worried about your blood sugar 24 seven, that's going to impact your blood sugar. So I think just really understanding how your nervous system impacts your health. There's 
a lot of women, they're checking all the right boxes. They're doing all the right things and they invest all this money in things that are wonderful, you know, testing and fancy protocols and supplements. And those things are great. But if you don't have a foundation of a nervous system that is centered and feeling safe, at least most of the time, you're going to keep struggling, you know? Um, so I would say that. And then I think the third thing, and this kind of pertains to the second one a little bit, but you have to remember to enjoy and live your life in the middle of all this healing stuff. It's very easy. Again, you can get in that stress cycle and, okay, I got to do this and I got to take this test and buy this supplement and I got to heal this and work on that. And it's like, where, where in there, are you having fun? Are you living? Are you just enjoying life? And, uh, yeah. And sometimes like, sometimes women will come to work with me and I'm like, actually, I think you need just like a month to do nothing before we start. You need to like, just go and enjoy your life and put all this health stuff on the shelf because it's like, it's, it can just consume you. And then you go on social media and you're spending two hours down the rabbit hole of you have mold, you have this symptom of that. You need to get this test, pesticides, toxins, don't eat this, eat that. Your rice is bad for you. Your beans are bad for your nuts. And it's like, oh my gosh, even for me, it's like, it's overwhelming. And I, I have to like, you know, you can pick um, not interested <laughs> and yeah. I say irrelevant because it's like, it's so, it's like, stop. And then I'm like, oh my God, are there mold? Is there mold in these walls? And I'm like, all right, I need to, maybe, I don't think there is, no, knock on wood. But it's like, it's, it's too much. You're only one person. You can only do so much and you have to like, you have to have some fun and joy in your life too. That's, I think that's really important. Absolutely. Which is why when you go on vacation or go on a cruise and you eat 12 times a day and you don't worry about it and you come back and you plus five pounds. Yeah. What? How does that happen? Oh, yeah. well, cause I wasn't stressed. I, I know. Clean up after everybody else. I, nobody was, well, one person was touching me, but nobody's <laughs> touching me all the time. Like, you know, pulling on me all the time. I don't have to make calls. I don't have to do anything else. And so my brain and my body can just relax. And I think that's, we need to go on vacation because that's the second time that's, I was recommended yeah. today. Uh, clearly we just need a vacation. But to your point, I think this was a really awesome point in there is that I think for a lot of people who do have desk jobs who say, oh, I am not moving throughout the day. So I'm not exerting all of these calories. So therefore I'm not going to eat as much. We forget that you are still high strung. You are still mm -hmm. dealing with so much stress coming in and your body is still metabolically working and overactive that we can't be scared to then yes. eat and fuel our body with the nutrients that it needs. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that who have desk positions or who are working virtually from home. So I think that was, that was an, a really, really necessary point. Mm -hmm. And and get up and go totally all the time to go ground, get out, put your, when you get up in the morning, if you work at a desk in front of your computer, go look at the sun, get actual sun on your eyeballs and vitamin D and just get grounded and do those things and take those breaks and reduce that stress and anxiety of because everything lives in these. And if you start your day with you pick up your phone and open your email before you get out of bed, 
don't do that. Like turn your Bible on, like listen to the word or do your, your Meditation. meditations and prayers and, and just take a space to set the intention for the day in a more positive way. So that when all the stress of the emails and the things and the coworkers come in, that you've already, you've not started high strung yeah. and having that cortisol all day long. And then you can't, you wonder why you're stressed and you're tired and you're achy and everything hurts. <laughs> right. So all of those things. And I think that that's a, a brilliant perspective that you have is it's not just the diet or the anti-diet. It's looking at everything and seeing it in such a way that you as the expert can walk through someone in their lifestyle and say, okay, here's where we need to make the tweak. Either put it on the shelf or pick it back up. Or does this really work for you? Or are you just saying that you need to take the these supplements because you heard so-and-so do, but mm -hmm. like, I can't tell you how many patients I have that come to me and they request tests, like, which is fascinating in itself for a patient to come to me and be like, I want this, this, and this, but it's because they've seen something on TikTok, mm -hmm. like they've, they've, and they become obsessed with it and think <laughs> and identify with maybe some of those symptoms that that one person was experiencing. And that then just leads to rabbit holes of 27 other things. And sometimes we just need to take a step back and I will literally put on a treatment plan, smile, mm -hmm. find something that you enjoy, slow down, <laughs> like that. go on your vacation next week. Yes. We have health things to dive into. Yes. We have certain labs we need to run, but you need to slow down and find joy in your life and separate yourself from these rabbit holes that can be very stressful and just all encompassing. It, it can be a lot. It can mm -hmm. be very overwhelming. It's very, it's a little scary how, I guess, we just want to be mindful of who and what we're influenced by. Yeah. That's really important. And, you know, even, even with me, you know, I'm like, I'm very opinionated on my page and what I talk about, but, you know, if it's not serving you, move on. You don't have to go down my rabbit hole or whatever, um, and I certainly don't recommend, I don't even go on TikTok. I have a TikTok, um, but I've never gone on. I don't even know my password for it. Um, but I think I went on it once and I was like, it was just showing me something that I was like, I didn't, I don't know who this person is or what. And it's, that scares me. <laughs> it scares yeah. me because I'm like, this is too easy. I'm, I'm not perfect. I, but I try to keep it at like cat videos. I have a cat, so cats are hilarious. And there's a lot of great cat videos on Instagram of just cats being really ridiculous, but that's still very activating. And I have to be, I'm trying to be more aware of that to like, okay, I need to put it. Cause it's so addictive. It is. Well, talking about yeah. social medias, how do people connect with you and follow you on the socials and how do they do all the things on, on the interwebs? Yes, I know, right? <laughs> Just talking about how addictive it is. Okay, now find me. Um, yeah. So it's Nourish with Jess. I know, I know. Nourish with Jess and my website is nourishwithjess.com. And to be just clear, shout yourself out. Who, what are the type of women that you can help? What is your bread and butter? If someone is struggling with X, Y, and Z, they should come to you. Who is that? 
So that I've worked with a lot of women that have tried all of the things, quote, all of the right things. Um, they're If you are done with dieting, <laughs> if you're done with, okay, let me try this supplement. Maybe this will help with my hormones or that supplement. And it's not working. If you've come off birth control, if you're dealing with PCOS, if your cycles are all over the place, um, you know, if your energy is crap, if you're not pooping the way you should be pooping, if your libido is tanked, all of these things are really at the core, you know, that metabolic dysfunction. And so it's really about getting the metabolism back to a place where it's feeling safe, where it has the energy to do its job. And that's through nutrition and through just working through your nervous system, helping your body feel safe again. I love that so much. I really do because there, I can't tell you how many times I tell patients and I write prescriptions, I give supplements, I do protocols, but how many times I tell them that it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I give or supplement you take. This is not going to change if you do not address other things that are going on. And I, so totally. I love that. I love that approach to just getting people back to their core and trusting themselves and fueling themselves based on what they need and nobody else's need, not TikTok's mm -hmm. need or, or some special crazy diet that comes up or crazy restrictive diet, but what their intuition is actually telling them they need. I love that. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jess, for being with us today and sharing your insights and knowledge um, with, with us and with our community. We're just so thankful that these healthy perspectives are out there when it comes to navigating and, and creating a lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle. Um, so until next time, let's discover together. Yes, thank We hope you've enjoyed this journey of exploration and learning as much as we have. Before you go, we have a special request for you, our beloved discoverers. We'd be thrilled if you could show your support in a few easy steps. Step one, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to ring that notification bell so you never miss a moment of discovery. Step two, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us and helps others discover our podcast too. Step three, whether you're on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, please share the Discovery Doc podcast with your friends, family, and social networks. It's the best way to spread the joy of discovery. And finally, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at the Discovery Doc. Stay connected with us for updates, behind the scenes content, and so much more. Plus, for exclusive content and additional resources, be sure to check out our website at www.thediscoverydoc.com. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc podcast encourages listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct 
indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.